A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. So. Sows, cows, plows. Heck, anything connected to farming's on the menu here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, and honestly, we've got anything connected to the weather coming our way this week. Good morning, everyone. I'm Farm Director Pam Youngke. Yeah, this last week of March going to be a little bit crazy as far as weather is concerned. We already saw what Mother Nature can do over the weekend with the snow we're still seeing around the state. Now for today, looks pretty manageable. Partly sunny skies, 46. Tomorrow, partly sunny and 34. Thursday and Friday, we've got rain in the forecast. Temperatures are going to push up near 60 degrees by Friday. But guess what? Now they've got an alert day out weather-wise for Friday. Not snow, but instead maybe some thunderstorms. We'll talk more about that with Stumacher Ag Meteorologist. Of course, he joins us in about 15 minutes. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, also coming along for the ride. The Dairy Together program, very much a part of the National and Wisconsin Farmers Union policy moving forward into the Farm Bill. Darren Von Ruden is president of the Wisconsin Farmers Union, and in our Farmers Union Minute program, he talks about the progress of Dairy Together, both at the Farmers Union National Convention and through the Congress. We have one special order uh, specific to the Farm Bill process, and one particular point of interest is growth management, trying to make sure that we get something like that for the dairy industry within the next Farm Bill. We've also had some discussions with some of the key players within the aid committee on the house side trying to see if we can get them to be a sponsor of uh, growth management really basing it off of the 2014 farm bill discussion that ended up getting beat at the last minute by then speaker of the house Boehner from Ohio so, you know if we can get that language with a few revisions some updates in there get that introduced to the egg bill or a committee here and then hopefully get it as part of the farm bill Darren Von Ruden president of the Wisconsin Farmers Union I'm Bob Bosold whether you're working on the farm with family or you have a town job and coworkers, good communication is vital. But often different generations have different expectations and styles when it comes to sharing information. From the southern end of the longest barn in Madison, this is Carrie Mess. Angie Coleman is an organizational development consultant with FCCS Consulting. She has done a deep dive on the different generations in the workforce right now and shares some key takeaways for all of us. I caught up with Angie during the AgSource annual meeting. Angie, let's start off with a rundown of what we need to know about working across the generations. I think that when people are talking about generational differences, they are looking at traits the, the talk that I give doesn't focus on generational traits and what, sh- what makes each generation different from the other. What it focuses on is what were the foundational pieces in their formative years that put those traits into place. So I think if we look at what makes a generation tick and what social events happened and what economic events happened in their formative years that created them in the way that they that they digest the world, it's easier to understand where somebody's coming from. So I would say instead of looking at generations as buckets to put people in, we should be looking at it from an informative perspective and, you know, what happened in that person's life that made certain things important to them. And not generalizing, but to look at the different generations as points of commonality 
can I understand where you're coming from based on what I know that you've gone through? So as an example, you're talking about how things like the Vietnam War or Watergate kicked off more mistrust in our government among the generation that was growing up at that time? Absolutely. And I would even say right now ESG is such a big conversation. What is an ESG? Um, Environmental, social, and governance. Those are big conversations in agriculture. And the research that's out there right now is saying that millennials and Gen Z don't look at ESG in the same way that boomers do. They don't care so much about carbon emissions and the tracking that is happening in the government right now and the legislation that's getting pushed, what they care about is the triple bottom line. And the triple bottom line is profit, people, planet. So millennials and Gen Zers are going to be more engaged in organizations that are involved in local community um, givebacks. They want to make sure that uh, the organizations that they work for or the co-ops that they're a part of are looking at their profit from that three-pronged approach, not just the profit and the bottom line from a fiscal perspective. So I think that that's really important to look at. And, and they're not relying on government and big organizations to make decisions. They would rather go work for an organization that they see being proactive, making their own decisions and saying, this is how we're going to give back. Here are the community programs that we believe are important and that we want to participate in as an organization. So you do see that shift from big to individual. Angie, tell me, what do we need to think about in agriculture when it comes to enhancing our communication skills? With regards to agriculture in general, one of the main differences um, between agriculture and looking at it from a generational perspective is that the very oldest of our generations, the traditionalists, those born between 19, well, earlier than 1945, they're actually still active participants in having a say on the farms, making some decisions. They're still parts of boards of directors and things like that. So where the rest of the country is really worrying about differences between, say, the boomers and the millennials, in agriculture, we're really spanning five generations in this space. So communication is vastly different from someone who's a traditionalist and older than, say, a very native tech person that might be your your millennial or your Gen Z. So I would say that that's probably the most important thing to keep in mind when we're looking at generations in ag and on the farms is that communication is so different between all of the people who exist in those five generation spans. What are some of the trends or tendencies we see in each of the generations? In general, I would say if we're looking at traditionalists and we're looking at boomers, because they were introduced to mass media, they consumed marketing as a group together watching three different you know, channels. And they are watching the same commercials at the same times, those types of things. Older generations have a tendency to really value and trust political leaders, doctors, newscasters, 
and bigger organizations. When you start moving into Gen X, Millennials, and Gen Z, because all three of those generations have had the ability to go out and get their own research once the internet was rolled out to all of those generations, you see kind of a decentralized way of thinking when they look at who are the experts. So they have less trust in bigger governments, bigger companies, doctors, um, and they feel more comfortable and confident going out and getting some of their own information from different places. With that in mind, tell me, what are some key tips for communicating across the generations in agriculture? I would say the most important thing for anyone to do is to meet each individual where they are. Instead of, you know, thinking as a traditionalist or or as a boomer that they should just come and talk about it or that they should be super responsive to email, we should try and identify what each individual's preference is in their communication method and try our best to adapt and accommodate to that. But I think that the same thing is really important to the younger generations. We need to be able to make sure that even if our preference is to communicate in one way, whether it's verbal or written, that we need to respond equally as well on email or to pick up the phone and call someone who's more comfortable talking about a conversation and a pain point than sending off messages back and forth through instant messaging or through social media. So I'd say meet everyone where they are instead of generalizing and sticking to what we like the best. One of the problems that we have looming over all of agriculture is a lack of people stepping up to lead, especially in cooperatives. Many say they just can't get people, especially younger generations, to fill the role of delegates or board members. What do you think could be done to help entice younger people in agriculture to lead in those roles? I think the most important thing to do is to really do a better job about telling our story instead of assuming that everyone knows what we do, where we come from, and what's important, that that story has to be repeated. And I would say lean on the cooperative principles. There's such a great framework in those principles that speak to every single generation that if we just lean back on those a little bit instead of trying to reinvent the wheel or recreate a narrative, fall back and look at what we already have available to us and send those messages out from that point of view. Because the future generations, millennials, Gen Z, are looking for meaningful and purpose-driven work. And if we can help them understand what an amazing service this is to give to all of mankind, and it's already in our infrastructure and it's already in place, if we can just tell that story from those lenses, we will start to see people become more engaged with not just where we want to go in the future and how we want to move forward, but I think we will start to see people become more passionate about it and be willing to step up and be the future leaders of our boards and and take charge. We need to inspire them, and we already have the tools to do it. So with all of what you've just said in mind, when a farm or an ag business is looking to hire someone, what should they consider doing differently than they've done in the past? I would recommend two things when we're looking at hiring and making changes in how we hire. So they say that in agriculture, 1% feeds 99%. We have to move away from looking at potential candidates as people who came from the farm because we are really restricting our talent base. We need to catch a broader group of 
people. And in order to do that, I think that we need to do what I said earlier, which is tell a better story and make us more attractive for top talent to come and stay. I also think that we can strip a lot of our position descriptions and take a lot of the ag-specific information out and really look for skill because we can teach and we can train the agriculture part. And I know that there's a lot of you know, feelings and there's a lot of value in the generational aspect of agriculture. But if we stay in that mindset that we, we have to go find a candidate who understands it from that point of view, we are severely restricting the level of talent that we can be bringing into the organization. So two things, casting that wider net and stripping out as much of the ag specific information as we can from position descriptions and move towards training those skills um, and looking for character looking for what's going to be a good culture fit instead of you know somebody who specifically came from a farm that is great information to keep in mind we definitely can't keep doing things the way we've always done them and expect it to just work out we have to make some changes That was Angie Coleman. She spent a lot of time studying the different generations in the workforce through her role as an organizational development consultant with FCCS Consulting. From the southern end of the Longest Barn in Madison, this is Carrie Mess. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The Young Farmer and Agriculturist Program with the Wisconsin Farm Bureau means for young farmers, it's a group of people that are like-minded who work together for the common good in agriculture. Some examples would be being on the state YFA committee or egg in the classroom or anything else that you would like to participate in. WFBF.com. You should join us. A voice for farmers. A vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Are you a non-union construction tradesperson proud of what you do? Did you know you're worth so much more than what you're bringing home today? Put the power of Lyuna Union Labor to work for you. When you join Lyuna, you get the pay you deserve, plus pension and health care benefits above and beyond your compensation. That's zero deductions for pension and health care benefits with Lyuna because you're worth it. Learn more at lyunawisconsin.org slash join. Some of America's bravest warriors are returning home wounded. Here's one of them. My name is Norberto Lara. While I was on a combat patrol, a rocket propelled grenade took my arm off at the shoulder. I was discharged from the Army, and I've been working with the Wounded Warrior Project since 2007. I don't have to be severely wounded. A lot of guys have post-traumatic stress disorder. Being able to share your story kind of helps you wrap your mind around what did happen over there. My name is Norby, and yes, I do suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, but I'm okay. Don't suffer in silence. Contact WoundedWarriorProject.org. That squeal you're hearing while you come to a stop? That's your brakes crying for help. At Tom's Auto Center, we offer five-star brake repair on all makes and models. Stop by for a brake fluid and brake inspection. If your brakes are talking to you or screaming for help, we'll diagnose it and give you a written estimate. We want you to be able to trust your brakes. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. If you combine pajamas and rubber boots to check on the barn, we welcome you. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Yeah, that's official dress for a lot of folks at this time of the year, especially the boots part. And I have already advised 
uh, Stephanie Hoff and Liz Matsky, part of our team, to get ready with the very same types of equipment, not the pajamas, but the boots. We're headed up to the EAA grounds here in Oshkosh today for day number one of the WPS Farm Show. It it just seems like this is the kind of weather that always welcomes folks to the WPS Farm Show, you know? It's this. It's that what happens at this time of the year. I mean, the ground will be firm this morning. Is it's below freezing there, and that's going to be great. And there'll be some clouds, so it won't thaw too quickly. But by midday, it's going to get kind of muddy, smeary, <laughs> sloppy. Yeah. yeah, that's that's March and April in Wisconsin. Yeah, and don't don't forget, folks. Free admission, but you pay five dollars to park, and heaven knows where you're going to end up parking when it comes to the show, too. But uh, so anyhow, for people that are heading up that way, today does look like a pretty good day to be outside. Oh, absolutely. Going to be a nice day. Uh, temperatures trying their best to get back into the range of normal. Uh, very upper 40s, a low 50. 51 at Lacrosse, a normal daytime high. Probably not going to do that today. Mid and upper 40s, though very close. And although there are some clouds this morning, like I've said, and cool temperatures, and that keeps that, that little soft covering frozen right on the ground, it's going to warm up. The sun will shine. It really looks and sounds like a really nice day. Not too breezy. Fine day for looking at the outdoor exhibits, doing something outdoors at home. But another cool front is dropping through. One pulling southeast through the state today. Another pulling through tomorrow may account for a little light snow. Uh, just before daybreak, you know, an hour or so earlier than this tomorrow morning. And into early in the day, could be a little light snow, less than a half inch, I think, if anything accumulates. But then we're going to talk about that front becoming stationary. And the next low, more likely, meaning some rain and snow that develops Thursday. Rain, snow, wet kind of weather, Thursday night on into Friday, too. I'll have forecast details right after this. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is the direction that the world is going. I know our customers really have to look at the bottom dollar. This needs to financially make sense, but this is one of those rare things that really it's not just nice for your wallet, but it's also nice for the planet and for the earth. And uh, it's pretty fun to be part of it. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com and start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Blaine's Farm and Fleet. The original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. And from Farm First Dairy Cooperative, serving dairy farmers across the Midwest since 2013. Farm First Dairy Cooperative, member-focused, member-driven, member-led. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Alrighty, Stu, let's talk about the weather for today. Like we said, today, tomorrow look pretty decent. It's the end of the week where the the seams start to fray a bit. Yeah, Thursday and Friday are going to be a real wet, sloppy mess, and temperatures, fortunately enough, will be more mild at that time. But today, some clouds around early on. Look for some gradual clearing, becoming mostly sunny, and a lot of mid-40s, a little warmer at La Crosse and Mauston, and winds out of the northwest even become west later, 5 to 15. Clouds overnight, some light snow just before daybreak, 4 or 5 o'clock. Uh, we drop into the mid or low 20s, southwest winds at 5 to 10. A little light snow early Wednesday, especially in the east. Clouds make way for mostly sunny skies again through the day. Only in the mid-30s, a whole lot cooler. The northwest winds at 5 to 15. 
Thursdays, the mostly cloudy day of the afternoon, rain could be a rain-snow mix as it starts becoming rain, though. Upper 40s, low 50s, and south winds at 5 to 15. Rain overnight on into Friday, Pam, and I think we're talking uh, quarter to half inch amounts. Pretty easy now just to wrap up the week, but it sticks around to start the weekend, too. So if uh, people see me talking with a tall, fuzzy guy, you're going up to the show today, too, you hope. I'm heading up there too, right after I fill myself with some breakfast. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's the right thing to do for spring, even if spring doesn't feel like it's gotten here. <laughs> Got to get there and learn what I missed. Yeah, right. All right, dude. We'll see you later. Talk to you tomorrow. All right, take care. Stumach, our ag meteorologist, putting his hip waders on with the rest of us, heading up to Oshkosh. And, of course, coming your way yet before the morning unfolds, our friend John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Remember, if you've got a question that you'd like John to maybe address for you, he's happy to do that. All you need to do is send it to our talk text line, 877-301-FARM. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You can rely on Blaine's Farm and Fleet for the best prices on just about everything. Like select 50-pound bags of Tribute Horse Feed, now $1 off. Stock up on select bags of Neutrina Feed. They're buy three, get one free. And 25-pound bags of Nutristart Lamb or Kid Non-Medicated Milk Replacer. Your choice, $49.99. For the best prices on the products you need, shop Blaine's Farm and Fleet. If you have joint pain and they're telling you surgery is your best option, please stop what you're doing and call QC Kinetics. Hey, it's Ebo. The folks at QC Kinetics use the latest, most advanced regenerative treatments to bring lasting pain relief. The natural way. Regenerative medicine harnesses your own body's healing agents to restore and repair damaged tissue in your knees, hips, shoulder, and back. The precision treatments are done in the office with no drugs and no downtime. QC Kinetics has hundreds of clinics all over America and thousands and thousands of satisfied patients. If your joints are aching from arthritis or injury, look beyond steroids and surgery and discover the amazing possibilities with regenerative medicine. Especially this time of year, you need to be living life to the fullest and doing the stuff you love to do. If you can get relief and avoid going under the knife, doesn't it make sense to check it out? Call QC Kinetics now. It's a free consultation. 608-319-1750. 608-319-1750. That's 608-319-1750. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care and love they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future they just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed and i'm succeeding i'm a i'm a speaker i'm an author covenant house really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman i am today if you or someone you love is asking for help go to safeplacetosleep.org today Rural mutual insurance keeping 
Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A Skincare Minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Sweeta Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta Metal Roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweeta Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com, over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. What stood out for you then? I mean, it's it's practice. It's the first one. I get it, but everyone's really yeah. you know pumped up about this new kind of you know version of Wisconsin football. What stood out for you besides this kind of uh, this fast pace environment? Well, I mean, it was the fast pace environment. I mean, it's just the fact that it's probably not fair to say that it wasn't ever like that before. But I mean, just guys running from drill to drill, and the drills themselves, uh, they do something called the uh, skelly, which is essentially just seven on seven. Um, and usually, like, you take up the entire field and you do one play and you come back and huddle and then you go do one play and you come back and huddle. That's not how they did this one. They did all of, they, they had two quarterbacks, one on the left, one on the right, and they would do one play to the left, they would do one play to the right. They do one play. They, it was just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Obviously, there was no huddling going on, so it was kind of uh, seeing Phil Longo off on the sideline, like, uh, what, um, uh, signaling plays in and, you know, talking into a headset into the play, you know, so it was, it was a, uh, a much different situation or a much different look than what we're normally uh, used to. And obviously the offense was significantly different. They didn't line up under center once what? they didn't have fewer than three wide receivers on the field at any point in, uh, in the near, or that's saying the two hours and 12 minutes. So <laughs> it was that, that, I mean, obviously the offense really stood out uh, as different. And there was no fullback anymore. How, how, how sad is that to see? No fullback. However, that's however, untitled. That's untitulating. It is. 
Uh, after the practice, though, Luke Fickle was talking to us, and he was asked about Jackson Aker, who played fullback last year, and now he's playing uh, running back. And he said, well, we could use him in a number of different ways, running back, uh, H-back, maybe a little fullback. Mm. So, so it's possible that the fullback is not completely, completely dead. Whew, thank God. All right, good. So um, a lot of guys, uh, new transfers in, were they not practicing, though, yesterday? Was it kind of dudes, like, you know, not there, chilling on the sidelines? Like, what was going on with some of the new-look Badgers? There was, yeah, there was only a couple guys that didn't practice, uh, new-look guys, namely Bryson Green, who came over from Oklahoma State, the wide receiver, who a lot of people believe uh, is going to be is going to have a you know pretty big role in the offense. He's dealing with a little bit of injury, though he was – catching passes after practice uh, from Tanner Mordecai. And then uh, Darian Barner, the tan- uh, the defensive tackle from Temple, mm. he's in a uh, boot and on crutches. Uh, the funny thing about it, though, is uh, even though those guys are hurt, they're dressed up, they're dressed fully. So Darian Varner was, yes, Darian Varner, Darian Varner was in helmet and jersey and, like, pants. And, uh, yeah, it was it was full. It, it, was, it was a little weird, but it was... Hang on. I think, You're I'm telling me sure that he's in full pads, helmet on, and crutches? Yes, and boots. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm. Hey, hey uh, I've been on this, like, like uh, baseball managers in the uniform. I think the coach should have to be in full pads and a helmet. Uh, yeah, I think. Pickle would love that. I think basketball coaches should have to be in the full, you know, you know jersey and I shorts. Like, I don't think anybody wants to see that. I would love to see Greg Gard dressed in the Wisconsin gear. It'd be Zach, awesome. question for you. If they did do that, <laughs> do you think Greg Gard would elect to go with the short shorts, like the nut huggers, or do you think he would go with like the TJ Ford ones? TJ Ford hang down to like your shins type shorts. Oh, Gardo's a G. Well, Gardo's a well G. This, is, this is the 125th anniversary of Wisconsin basketball, and he's been honoring the various eras by uh, the way he dresses. So maybe we get that. Maybe he'd uh, honor it and uh, base it on the different eras. So short shorts, if he's honoring the 1980s, really long shorts, if he's, if he's uh, in the 90s. So it would probably just depend. What's the longest uh, shorts Wisconsin ever had? I'm thinking like Alondo Tucker. Yeah, I mean, the, the big ones, him and Cam Taylor. Yeah, Michael. I remember Michael Flowers having pretty long shorts. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess that's the early 2000s. So it just dawned on me too. I think reporters for their respective companies should have mm-hmm. to dress up in like football uniforms. Like we need to get a okay. zone, like a blue and black and white yeah. zone football uniform for you to wear. I mean, I probably <laughs> probably wear that just like I wore that jacket sweet. that you got. <laughs> remember, that, remember that ridiculous jacket? It's hanging in my office, Zach. Yeah, I, I yeah, see it every day. That you love. I'm waiting you for love. you. To, I'm waiting for you to put it on still. Some people, some people wore it to the game. Um, I, I never put it on once. Some people wore it many places where it shouldn't have been worn. It's yeah. <laughs> I'm just now I'm picturing Greg Gard trying to honor the entire 125 years of Wisconsin with nut hugger shorts, but the baggy uh, jersey, and it's all tucked in. God, that'd yeah. be great. That would be phenomenal. <laughs> I want Greg Gard to wear the nut hugger ones with the belt on it from way back in the day when Wisconsin won a championship. Ham is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. And we're going to be farm speaking all over the place today. The entire Midwest Farm Report team is headed up to Oshkosh. It's day number one of the WPS Farm Show. 
Remember, show hours today and tomorrow, 9 until 4, Thursday, 9 until 3. Partly sunny skies on the way for today. 46 are expected high. Partly sunny tomorrow and 34. Then we've got rain in the forecast Thursday and Friday. In fact, Friday, we could see some severe weather roll into the state. We'll keep an eye on what's happening there. Keeping an eye on what's happening with the markets. John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing, up in just moments on this Tuesday. Yeah, so it is the 28th day of March, winding down to the final hours of this month. In 1979, Three Mile Island's nuclear power plant experienced a partial meltdown. Remember that? A radioactive leak, a coolant. It was the worst commercial nuclear accident in the United States and a continuous string of nuclear disasters like Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, and the Fukushima reactor all brought doubts into the community about the environmental safety of those power plants. Three Mile Island with its partial meltdown on this day back in 1979. On this day in 1963, Alfred Hitchcock's classic, The Birds, is released. It was about a swarm of birds that was wrecking havoc in Bodega Bay, California. And now it's a classic horror movie film. Happy birthday today to singer Lady Gaga. I guess she's an actress, too. She's celebrating her birthday Reba McIntyre, country music artist as well as uh, actress, she's got a birthday today. Also, happy birthday to com- well, actor-comedian Vince Vaughn. He is 52 years young, and now you know. Want you to know that coming up this weekend, the Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association's annual bull sale is going to be happening at the UW Platteville Pioneer Prairie Farm. This actually started back in 1957 as a way to help beef producers in the state uh, diversify their genetics with outstanding proven bulls. Alan Arndt is the president of the Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association and caught up with our own Stephanie Hoff about the sale yesterday. The Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association's Performance Selected Bull Sale is happening Saturday, April 1st, beginning at 11 a.m. And you've got plenty of ways to scope out the animals online or in person ahead of the sale. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. The association has been evaluating and developing beef bulls in Wisconsin since the late 50s. It's the longest-running continuous bull test in the nation. Association President Alan Arndt tells me about what you can expect at the auction on Saturday, and he starts with just how rigorous this bull exam is. The first thing to talk about, I think, is the offering and the, the rigorous process, selection process the bulls go through. Um, obviously, producers want to bring their best bulls, so those bulls are screened at, at home several times. They're screened for confirmation. They're screened for, for birth weight. Most of these are screened on EPDs. Every bull in the test has to have a registration paper. Every bull in the test has been DNA verified for parentage. So those are all things that happen before you get there. Once you get there, they have to meet the production threshold that the ration is designed for them to perform. So our ration is designed for 3.2 pounds a day. Every bull that gains over 3.2 pounds a day can pass a breeding soundness exam and has jumped through all these other hoops, gets to be auctioned off. Um, Whether you're there in person, that's great. We're glad to see you. It's always good to see bulls in person before the sale. Um, If you can't make it on Saturday and you can make it early in the week, please come down and walk through the pens to find what you're after. If you've got access to a computer, You can bid through DV auction, but you need to have an account set up by Thursday. And that's not a difficult process. If you call DV, I believe there's a link on our website, and our our bull videos are all online. 
you can go that route. If you don't want to do either of those two things, there's a list of phone numbers in the front of the catalog. You can call any of those phones, and we will get somebody who will bid for you. So we're trying to make it uh, user-friendly for those who are technologically advanced as well as for those who are not. But uh, we want you to find the bull you want, and we want to help you buy it. How many animals started in the in the selection process? There were approximately 90 that were nominated, and we did things a little differently this year. As those bulls were delivered, we had a consultant there. One of the things about testing everything that people bring us is that it's a relatively expensive process, and when we get to the end of it, if your bull doesn't meet our criteria, you get sent home and you got to deal with them and it costs you a lot of money. So one of the things we attempted to do was find those bulls earlier before the test started. So there was a screening process on delivery day, and that was a big change from what we had done in the past. We had about 90 delivered. We're going to have 64 or 65, I think, are going to be in the sale after all of the, the winnowing that we've done. And where are these bulls coming from? Bulls are mostly from Wisconsin. We get some bulls from Iowa. Occasionally, we get some bulls from Indiana. We have had, over the years, bulls from far away as New York. And we sell bulls all over the place. We've sold bulls in Nebraska, Minnesota, Michigan, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana. I believe there was a bull that went to Texas not too long ago. Used to be we sold a lot of bulls into the studs, and, and they're still aware of what we're doing here. So they go all over the place. There's quality here. There's no doubt about it. What do you expect in terms of price compared to maybe years prior? The cattle market is on fire right now. I would be reluctant to guess what the producers are going to be willing to pay. I believe last year's average was in the neighborhood of $4,000 per bull. There's some bulls that bring close to twice that, and there's some bulls that don't bring that much. So it's it's anybody's guess. Uh, you know, if you want to start and go way back, the old thumb rule is that a bull is worth the price of three fat cattle. So we can listen to the market report today and determine what fat cattle are worth, multiply that by three, and if we can get a bull brought in that price range, that's probably a reasonable fee. How's interest? Are you seeing a large number of bidders every year? We get more and more online bidders every year. We've always got a good repeat customer base. A lot of those folks are deciding that they, they pick the bull they want to buy from home or from ahead of time, and then that's the bull they'll watch. And those folks have become... Uh, much more prevalent. So probably 30% of our bulls, maybe 20% are sold online. Uh, The rest of them are sold in person. And there's always five or 10 that go by phone. And that works well. You can engage with this sale ahead of time online at DV Auctions or at the Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association website. And Alan, you said folks are more than welcome to see those bulls in person in Platteville. Well, I certainly hope people can get to Platteville and see the bulls. Uh, The sale's at 11 a.m. So you've got time to to walk through them if you can't come until Saturday, but the pens are always open. So if you've got a chance to get there between then and now, by all means, take a few minutes, stop in, walk through the pens, see what you see. You don't have to fight the crowd on sale day, and you can go home, and if the weather's less than you'd like it to be, you can sit inside and and bid with your mouse or on phone. That's Alan Arndt, the president of the Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association, which has been developing beef bulls in Wisconsin since 1957. Again, the longest-running continuous bull test in the nation. This year's sale is happening Saturday at UW-Platteville. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.
The Dairy Together program, very much a part of the National and Wisconsin Farmers Union policy moving forward into the Farm Bill. Darren Von Ruden is president of the Wisconsin Farmers Union, and in our Farmers Union Minute program, he talks about the progress of Dairy Together, both at the Farmers Union National Convention and through the Congress. We have one special order uh, specific to the Farm Bill process, and one particular point of interest is growth management, trying to make sure that we get something like that for the dairy industry within the next Farm Bill. We've also had some discussions with some of the key players within the aid committee on the house side trying to see if we can get them to be a sponsor of uh, growth management really basing it off of the 2014 farm bill discussion that ended up getting beat at the last minute by then speaker of the house Boehner from Ohio. So, you know if we can get that language with a few revisions some updates in there get that introduced to the egg bill or aid committee here and then hopefully get it as part of the farm bill. Darren Von Ruden president of the Wisconsin Farmers Union. I'm Bob Bosold. Absolutely no change yesterday in any of our dairy product prices. This morning in Chicago, everything trending lower. It's kind of the way that it's been for the past couple of weeks. We start out negative in overnight trade and then gain some momentum during the day trade. December corn right now is down about three at 567. November beans down two, 1286. July wheat's down four at 705. But the April milk is up a penny at 1977 hundredweight. May milk's up three at 1905 100 Hey, a couple quick reminders for you. First, remember we are still asking you to get involved reporting rainfall for the National Weather Service this year. They really need people in especially rural areas to help them out with rainfall reports, and it's simple to do. Find all the details online, wisconsinweatherwatchers.org, wisconsinweatherwatchers.org. Org. They are really driving that campaign through the end of March. And also remember, I'd love for you to join me on our next farm tour, August 14th through the 23rd, headed out west to Yellowstone, Grand Tetons, Glacier National Parks, and of course, Always Agriculture. We'll be visiting a dairy farm, a beef operation, a hops production facility, a cherry orchard, and more to find out a little bit about the agriculture in uh, the middle of the United States. Plan on joining us on April 11th. We are going to be having a special uh, free travel show right here at the radio station. So if you're in or around the Madison area and would like to join us, please feel free to do that. I can get you more details. You can use our talk text line if you need details, 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Or if you want a brochure or directions to the radio station, send me an email, pam at midwestfarmreport.com. Pam at midwestfarmreport.com. And I'll get you all taken care of. Well, he's going to take care of us with the markets and what's going on behind the scenes. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Sprucing up your office space can be pretty darn simple with Office Furniture Warehouse of Madison. We design it, we install it, and we even give you a 5% referral discount. Better yet, we take care of the old stuff for you. You deserve a new look. Impressive office furniture with warehouse pricing makes Office Furniture Warehouse America's go-to office furniture store. Visit OFWGoMadison.com or stop by the showroom on Ronald Reagan Avenue on the north side. 
You're no stranger to hard work and eating right, but your abs are more like flabs. Carbon World Health offers Emsculpt, an FDA-approved treatment for men who want to transform their physique. One session is equivalent to 20,000 crunches without the painful recovery. Melt fat, build and tone muscle, then start getting the results you're looking for. Emsculpt at Carbon World Health. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. When it comes to custom jewelry, get to know your Denny's jeweler. The way Denny's works custom is based on emotions and it's based on the clients, what they are feeling and wanting and looking for. And eventually it evolves into this piece of art. I'm Nick Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They take forever to return your call. When they do show up, they leave your house a mess, and then they throw in weird surprises. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who does return your calls, leaves your property clean, and never any awkward surprises. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a complimentary estimate. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. Yep, that's one of the elements I'm sure we'll be talking about. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing, our regular Tuesday guest, joining us this morning. And yeah, weather is always on the minds of traders, that's for sure, John. But this week, we've got kind of a big report out on Friday, USDA's uh, acreage estimates. Tell me a little bit about what you're hearing. There's been a lot of private estimates already out. Uh, yeah, USDA will, will release a planning intentions report as of March 1st uh, here on Friday this week, um, as, as well as quarterly grain stocks. And, and typically the biggest movers of the year are those acreage reports. And then you throw in that grain stockpile number, too, at the same time. So Friday could be an extremely volatile day. We'll have to watch how things come out because this one typically can bring us some surprises and sets the goalposts here for the next handful of months until we get the final plan or the planning, intent, planning intentions report at the end of, the, of June. June. Uh, so with that, you know, markets expecting to see a little bit more corn going in the ground this year. Analysts are looking at about 90.9 million acres of corn last year, we're about 88.6. And then we got on the soybean side. It's going to be relatively steady, uh, 88.3 versus 87.5 last year. You know, again, the USDA had their outlook form, and those were kind of the numbers they were throwing out there back there in February, 91 million acres of corn, 87.5 million acres of beans. So we'll have to see. Now, again, a lot of things can change from that intentions report to the plannings number that we get in June. Uh, but if those numbers come in off off those targets, you know, that gets plopped into the balance sheet with the current estimate for yields that we have out there in terms of trend line yields. It can really shake some numbers up in terms of where this market can go and what supplies could be. Well, and that's like you said, those two numbers work hand in glove. What we've got on reserves and how many acres we're expecting. What's China been doing lately? They were real hot and then all of a sudden real cold on corn again. Well, they've still stayed consistent here lately. We've had purchases of corn on eight out of the last nine days in terms of some type of an export sale that's been reported. Obviously, we're not seeing the big numbers that we saw here when they came pouring into the market and picked up two and a half million tons in a handful of days. But at least we've seen some form of sale. Now, yesterday was an unknown destination sale, so typically those are China. But at the same time, we do have obviously other groups that you know come under the radar with that unknown tag. So right now with corn prices where, where they are, 
we've triggered some demand. We've got the cheapest corn in the world. We've got the most available supply because South America right now is dealing with their beans more than they are trying to ship corn out. You know, and that's just help help the, the export game improve here. Maybe the point to the USDA may have to come back and move that demand number back up a little bit on the corn side, which would be good for that lower carryout projection. What about the demand side on soybeans? Domestically, we had started to really fire up that engine of biodiesel on the West Coast, and then it seemed to wane a little bit, John. Yeah, well, obviously that South American crop coming into play. I know that we had all the talk of the Argentina issues, but there's more than enough beans coming out of Brazil that's going to absorb that as Brazilian prices continue to struggle with this large supply. We're seeing premiums at a daily basis continue to get lower and lower, you know, for the Brazilian farmer. And that just obviously is lower in the cash market. So that's hurt our demand. But now this last week, we had a really good shipment number here yesterday. So that's still good to see. You know, we had some decent sales on the books, some later sales. And due to the fact that the those importers can come right to the United States, load those ships up and get those beans moving has helped us out here. And when we're already dealing with a tight supply, add in that domestic demand, even though beans have really kind of hit the woods here the other the last few days here in terms of price, maybe we can find some stability here. Could give some volatility to this market, especially if that acre number is off a little bit on Friday. You mentioned uh, they're still struggling with the beans in Brazil. Are they having transportation issues? It's nice to hear us on the positive side of that conversation. You know, it's one of the things if Brazil ever can find a way to get their infrastructure figured out that they can transport these crops and, and get things moving, that would just be detrimental to world prices. You know, again, right now we're hearing con constant chatter of some of those co-ops down there not even taking beans in because they can't get them moved out fast enough. Right now, I believe it's about a 35-day wait for a boat to get into the port, get loaded, and get out of there with those soybeans. You know, so again, that's just something that's just piling up. And as they're putting this record harvest in, there's just no room for, for it to go anywhere at this time frame. Therefore, that cash price is just getting crushed. Again, we're talking with John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Big, big report coming up on Friday, the U.S. Department of Agriculture's planting perspective uh, estimate. Now, we know, like he said, uh, things can definitely change between what we think we're going to do and what actually goes in the ground. But what, it, what historically, what kind of accuracy have we usually seen, though, John? This report usually comes back and is one that we look back later and it's like, where did that number come from? <laughs> you know, so it's it's a volatile report. And then again, there's a lot of curveballs with this one going forward. Again, the weather in the spring will make a change. The market will probably try to buy some acres quickly. You know, and obviously we got a lot of things and we haven't talked about the weather here in the Midwest over the next month or so <laughs> and what's going to happen on the planning pace. But you know, expect some volatility on Friday. Make sure we're protecting the value that you got here just in case we get that bearish number. Remember John's website, uh, Total farmmarketing.com call them 800-334-9779 800-334-9779 and remind them about your email john that's a john h at totalfarmmarketing.com all right buddy never have enough time with you i'll uh, catch up with you next week and we'll dissect what uh, usda says on friday okay Sounds good. Have a great week. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us live this morning, trying to get you ahead of that World Ag Supply Demand Report, or shall I say USDA Planting Perspective Report, coming out on